When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Um, today we have, we have a special guest and I'm probably about to butcher his name, but we'll make it work. Uh, we have coach Nick Michaud. Close. That's good. pretty good. Yeah. Yes. Yep. <laughs> see, I see. If I, if, I, if, I, if I misspelled on my paper to where it sounds right, then we're good. Um, he is the, he's the head football coach at Mount Mansfield Union High School in Northwest Vermont. I'm not going to, like, he, it's a combination of, like, what, four or five towns, did you say? Is that right? Yeah, five towns, yep. See? I mean, I pay attention when my guests tell me stuff before we come on. Like I said, all right, so, Confer Coach, first, how are you doing? Good, man, good. How are you? I'm doing good. See, like, try, try to, I mean, whatever. It's just, that's the mood I'm in right now. Um but, I mean, we'll hit a couple of things. But first, uh, kind of your background. I mean, you mentioned before we got on here that you that this is, what, your 10th year coaching. Kind of how did you end up as the head coach at um, Mount Mansfield Union? So my road to being the head coach here was a windy one, uh, to say the least. Uh, I started at the very bottom in Vermont coaching youth football, 7th and 8th graders for six years. Um, and that's kind of where I fell in love with it. I played college football. I played high school football. I played youth football. And I knew that this was going to be something that I wanted to keep doing when I was done college. So, um, right when I graduated, I, I joined on the seventh eighth football team nearby. Um, and for six years, I, I bounced around to a couple teams, finally got the chance to coach high school, uh, varsity high school football at my, uh, alma mater. And uh, I was just an assistant. Uh, it was a great learning experience. And then, strangely enough, in that off season, uh, I got a phone call from an old coach who wanted to start a youth football team. And so I said, "What the hell? Let's do it." So, started a fifth through eighth football program in the city of Burlington. Um, and in the off season of that year, um, the coach here at Mount Mansfield uh, was retiring. He had been here for 18 years, I believe. He had started this thing from the very bottom with boosters and fundraising. I think they were practicing out in a field or a park. Um, and he took it from a club status all the way to Division One, And uh, he appeared in three championship games. I think one Division Four, and then two back-to-back Division Two games. And finally uh, got it done in Division One in 2018 and, and hung up the whistle. So I said, might as well try. So I applied and I felt like it went pretty well. And then a month later or so, I was getting an email and a phone call from the athletic director. That's how I ended up here. Oh, that's cool, Coach. Now, for people who don't know Vermont football, um, how, how many teams encompass Division One, and then what kind of determines whether you're Division One or not? So this year we're going to have a, 11 teams in Division One. Basically, there's a formula that we run off of uh, the VIFL, so the Vermont Interscholastic Football League, and the VPA, the Vermont Principals Association. 
those governing bodies created a, a formula with boy count, uh, you know, a success rate. And I can't recall the last one. Obviously, I'm still new here, so I'm still figuring it out. Um, and that's how they kind of determine where to place your program for competition uh, purposes. So, you know, the really small schools of like 100 boys, they're not going to play a Division One program and get blown out of the water every week. Um, so in, in uh, my circumstance, uh, MMU, we have 850 or 60 kids on a given year. In the school, we have about 425 boys. And then I see about 50 to 60 of those boys. And then, so looking at that model, uh, we're, we're playing in Division One, I. I think, and I may be wrong on this, I think we're, we're supposed to be a Division Two team, but because we're a larger school, we're playing up to Division One, uh, yeah. which I have no problem with because we are a large school, and I think that's how uh, we, sh we should be um, – placed in, in the larger bracket so okay coach no, i'm just curious um like i said we kind of chit-chatted um before um let's see over the past couple weeks and and you brought up talking about your four two four two um and your three four blitz package so kind of i mean first i mean do you kind of, my first question is do you flip between like a 4-2 and a 3-4, or do you kind of merge a blick package for one and use it in the other? Yeah, so I've tried to make this thing as simple and universal as possible for the kids. Um, in Vermont, in Division One, on any given week, we're going to see a wing T team, a double wing team. We'll see uh, a power I team, and then on a, a, any other week, we're going to see a spread team with RPOs, um, and, and empty. So me coming into this program, they were already running a four, two, five. So I just re rolled with it because I had ex past experience with the four, two, five and just figured, okay, if the kids know the four, two, five, then we can add these other little nuances to the defense. And I'm going to change the terminology, but other than that, the structure of the defense is going to stay the same. So whether it, we're running an odd front or an even front, these kids still know that when I call a particular blitz, it still means that you're going to go to that gap. You're going to play that run responsibility, and the back end is going to play a specific pass coverage behind it. So, yeah, I've, I've made it universal for sure. Okay. No, I, I get that. And, I mean, that's sometimes what you got to do. I mean, my, my first year at Elgin, I kind of just took – kept the 4-2 defense. I was there, part because the head coach won, and part because they kind of knew it already. And then we kind of morphed it over the next calendar year into more of a four-four, and kind of simplified stuff. So I, I kind of I kind of get that. I mean, what do you, I mean? What, and like I said, you can share stuff visually if you want or not. It's kind of up to you. Um, but kind of, but I mean, do you want to talk through your blitz package a little bit? Kind of what that is, what coverage you kind of play behind it. Um, that's stuff yeah. that I'm always kind of interested in. Yeah. So, um, so this is our basic front. Okay. Um, you have your normal fives, your three and your one. Uh, we got a, we have a Mike and a Will. Uh, and then so I call this the hop defense. I stole this from another coach in the area that I coached with uh, four years ago. Um, it just seemed fitting the way he described it. And then I found out he stole it from Chris Glasgow from TCU, the DC down there. Oh, yeah. um, so it's it's the it's the hop defense. Um, the F and the B 
what that it, what that means is those are our, our apex defenders. Those are our guys that really control the the, the field on each side. Um, the F is the Falcon. That means to the field. So he's always going to go to the wide side no matter what. And the B is the opposite. He's the buzzer. He's to the boundary. So uh, both those guys are, are five by three off the LOS. Um, and the type of player we're looking for in the, for the Falcon is just the dude, the best dude you got on defense that um, can come up and fill the run, play that outside edge uh, and be nasty. And then the F, he's also got to be able to drop back uh, similar to what a safety can do. Uh, flipping hips, get get open and, and play that deep half uh, when necessary. The buzzard's the same thing. He's just not as good as those two qualities. Uh, he may be a little bit weaker on the run fill. He may be a little weaker on the pass drop, but otherwise he's comparable to the F. So th those are the two types of players we're looking for when uh, we're figuring out who's going to be the F and the B. Um, otherwise, you have your, your traditional mic and your will. Um, and then two corners in the free. So that's our back end. And uh, the front end, I, I, I like to mix it up. Uh, we will be installing a NASCAR package this year uh, because we have the, the players to do it. Uh, our nose guard, uh, we found out two years ago because we didn't play 11 on 11 this year, obviously. Uh, two years ago, he was a sophomore. Uh, and we stuck him in there as a nose guard and we just told him go straight, play your gap and go straight. And he ended up leading the team in four games with tackles in the backfield. Um, so he's a little spark plug and he's fast twitch. He gets off the line of scrimmage and um, he's a little bowling ball. So I can't wait to see what he can do as a senior this next year. Um, and then, you know, if, if you don't want to go with speed, you just look for that traditional big guy that can control a gap and shoot his hands at the center outside of the shoulder of the center to dominate that that gap and get skinny and and plug that hole uh, for the linebackers. Um, our tackle, it's the same thing, traditional big guy. We have uh, this upcoming year a big man, uh, a big junior, and he's going to be able to anchor that. I want our best D, D lineman to play that position because the amount of single teams versus double teams that he'll see uh, is greater than the nose guard. Uh, so he's got to be able to do exactly what the nose guard can do, uh, but he's going to have more opportunities to make plays. Um, and we have a guy that's going to fit that position really well. Um, and then your traditional two fives, you know, uh, get up the, get up the field three yards. Um, you know, as the, the guy from TCU said, don't go until you know, um, that's how we decipher our CBR and um, make sure that you're not getting beat and you're holding your edge and uh, you're pinching down. So that's the basic look for our four, two, five. Okay. What, co what cover do you typically play behind it coach? Oh, you don't want to guess. I mean, it, it, it well, if I'm looking at the diagram, it's probably going to be cover three. If I'm exactly. Cover yeah. three. <laughs> So yeah, we, we cover three, we call it blue, uh, very basic. Um, I heard a great line today from Sark. He was in a clinic and he said, how many DCs are in here? They all raised their hand. He said, how many times you guys run cover three? And all of them pretty much said all the time. So <laughs> he's not lying. Um, what I found out though, as a young head coach is when you're running cover three against RPOs, 
uh, you're kind of just giving them the field. Um, so we obviously have a, a man coverage package as well. Yeah. Um, was it, was that the, um, Sark, uh, one that was put on, uh, was it on YouTube like a couple days ago? Yeah. yeah. I've been meaning to watch that. And it's, it's ironic cause that's what Ohio state sat in most of last night. Um, <laughs> now this will probably come out way past that, but for, for re- reference, this is filming, being filmed the day after the Ohio state game. So. But yeah, I mean that's yeah. I've been meaning to watch that Sark one. Actually, actually, I was planning on watching it tonight. Um, but yeah, I mean it's an interesting little um, thing. I mean, you mentioned that you you guys see a variety of offenses. How much does that cause? I mean, do you have just base alignment rules as a result, or does that kind of vary week to week depending on who you're seeing? Yeah, we really do. Again, I like to keep it simple. Uh, let's line up and play. Uh, my core principles on defense are just being fast and nasty. Be fast and nasty and, and you know, make tackles. We practice tackling every day. Okay. Um, and, it, you know, we'll see in the film review on Sundays and Mondays that if, if our guys aren't tackling, then we'll go right back to the basics and make sure that those core principles are being reflected in how we're teaching them at practice. Um, you know, as a first year, my first year as a head coach, uh, we did fairly well. We had around 450 tackles the first year. Um, uh, we were in every game. Uh, there was only two games that we were completely blown out. Uh, and, you know, I'm not trying to make excuses, but we had a young squad coming off uh, the D1 championship from the prior coach with 18 seniors. Uh, we had a younger squad. And, you know, I, I think that we fizzled out towards the fourth quarters and, we, did, we weren't tackling as well, and, and we were just getting out, man. So, yeah, keeping it simple, keeping those core principles of, of responsibilities, that's how I like to run this thing. Um, that way the kids can just read and react and flow, and that's uh, that's how we kind of find our defenders in practice. Okay. Now, it, now I mean, what – and we'll, I want to go back to your blitz stuff a little bit before – no, not before yep. – Back to your blitz stuff a little bit. I can't enunciate today. It's but you should see me in class today. Oh God! Like oh, it was bad. Um, so obviously, okay. There, see blitz call. See that's more. Obviously, I'm vi- I'm visual and hands on as crap. Yeah. Like like I, I mean I've probably mentioned it in like eighteen of these things that you start just telling me stuff it ain't happening. Like like I tell kids the same thing. They start talk like just please stop. Like just show me. Please just like I am yeah. not like. It's not you. It's me. It's like I physically can't like it just, my brain does not process that way. All right. So, yep. I, you know, I think when we have our Monday uh, afternoon huddle review, uh, I think the kids are more locked in because they can see their mistakes. And yeah. Lord knows they're not doing it on their own time. And that's good. I think they, they need a break. Right. It, middle of the season, they need a break and be kids. But when they can see their own mistakes and then we can coach them up, I think. Uh, the production towards the end of the year gets a little bit better. Well, yeah, as a, as a teacher, I, I, I've found um, that we, um, that's the word I want to use, um, that students typically are more visual or hands-on than they are auditory anyways. I try to hit all three, but yeah. Now, my, my question for this is that as I look at this, um, and my mic's not being very user-friendly right now, um, is for those like two man blitzes? Do you does that cause you to change coverages 
into more of a man's man scheme, or is that you're going to just leave a zone voided? Yeah, I you know I, it depends on the on the personnel we're playing against. Um, if it's a, like a doubles or an empty look, we try to just have that cover three shell behind uh, the double blitz and leave that space vacant and hope that uh, we can get to the quarterback by the time decision. Um, but if we're going like coverage on the back end, um, so. For uh, the way I look at it is if I'm sending both of the birds uh, from the outside, uh, we should be okay with the Mike linebackers uh, flexing out to save some space where they're vacating and being able to, you know, turn and run if there's a swing pass or, or a quick out or an arrow or anything like that. Um, and then being helped by the back end of a corner, uh, pinching that. So, um, yeah, I, I, I like to leave it empty and display the coverage. That way we're not getting burned over top. Um, uh, but uh, if, if you have guys that can run man-to-man, I say do it. Uh, I, I think there's nothing wrong with that. If you got studs in the back end that could fly with a tight end, there's nothing wrong with that. Yeah, no, I, I agree, Coach. And um on top of this, how much how much games or stunts do you play with your defensive line along with this? Do you do a lot or do you just kind of leave them to do their thing? I mean, not many. Uh, we do have them. We have uh, a dig now call, a strong dig now. That's your D tackle, no stunt uh, twist. And then we have weak dig now where it's the opposite, obviously. Um, I let them run, really. I, I haven't had the situation where I needed to stunt and influence the O-line like that. Again, what if we're playing a wing tee or a double wing team, um, I want them to play their gaps because that's such a um, such a particular offense in their scheme, um, and you got to have your responsibilities locked in uh, if you're going to be successful against it. So um, I just – in situations like that, I, let, I, I want them to play their gap and, and own that gap yeah. and own their responsibility, whereas maybe if it's a spread – an empty set, a, a, a three by one. Yeah, maybe we'll we'll play around with that and see if we can't influence a tackle stepping into a gap, into the B gap or something, and then having somebody come loop around or even send a bird off the edge. Um, I again, I I'm not big on stunts. We have done it, but um, I like to see our guys just just dominate and attack in the middle. Okay, no, I I get you, and everybody's got a little bit different philosophy on that. Um, just, just like, I mean, I always go, like Iowa, I mean, they're, they don't really bring anybody. They sit in like about cover, a cover four or some sort of cover two shell. And it's mostly either D line and movements or D or just normal D line. It's not, they don't bring the backers much. They just kind of bend, don't break and develop their defensive line. I mean, that's the way I was played Ohio state and everybody else in the league for decades. So. You know what I have noticed, though, that I would like to incorporate is that pre-snap uh, alignment with the D-line. Have you seen that where your three turns into a one and uh, the one goes to a three? Have you ever seen that? Because we um, played against a team that did that two years ago. Yeah, I mean, I, I've tried it a little bit. And I've seen some teams that have done it. Um, for some reason, the verbiage slips in my mind. Oh, God. Um, some people also call that uh, it's like a shift or a oh god I can't think of it. 
Um, but yeah, no, yeah. Um, yeah, there's, I, I've seen it. I've seen some people mess. We messed with it actually a little bit last year. Um, because our DC came from school that kind of did it a little bit. Um, but everybody's a little different. I mean, if you can talk, if you're get if you get good timing the snap, that stuff works. Um, but if you don't, you can kind of get caught transition or caught out of place if they snap the ball too quickly. You got to judge who you're playing, in my opinion. Um, but yeah, I mean, like I said, it's an, again, everybody has what they, their preference on what they do. That's kind of how I view it. So, yeah. I mean, so I haven't done it because we have pre-snap looks anyway. Yeah. And I, I've stole this from the Patriots. I mean, we're in Patriot territory up here in Vermont. So, um, you know, I've seen Bill Belichick send everybody to the line and there's nine on the line and I can do that too. It just, when I do that, it, it, uh, when I send the blitz call, the kids got to understand that they're probably going to have to take a negative step if they're going to do like a twist. Um, like if we ran, uh, our wind call with our mic and will twist, they're going to have to take a negative step back because I don't think uh, I say, I don't think, but I really haven't seen our nose guard, our big nose guard hit that center, that a gap and then get depth quick enough for those two backers to, to switch gaps. You yeah. know what I'm saying? Yeah. So, I mean, we have these walked up looks and, um, you know, we can put, uh, we can put nine on the line and we can still blitz. And the luxury is, is, you know, they don't really know <laughs> who's coming unless our kids are just sloppy and, yeah. you know, they don't time it up correctly. Well, that's what, that's what like Mike Zimmer, when he was with the Bengals, he still does it a little bit now at the head coach of the Vikings. He's do that all the time. Would be flex out his D line in like double threes and put those backers yeah. in like double A's and, Sometimes they'd come, sometimes they're not. Sometimes one would come, one wouldn't. Um, it's, I mean, it's some games you can play if, if you got some good kids and you can teach it well. I mean, that's the key is, is can you teach it well so your kids understand it? If not, it's going to end up as 60 yards in a cloud of dust. I mean, that's <laughs> yeah. – I mean, I mean, you know that's what I do. It's like, I mean, sometimes it happens. So, um, yeah. I, I, I mean, I mean – Kind of before we start heading towards wrap-up section, because, I, I mean, um, I kind of want to, I mean, we talked a little bit beforehand about, um, what's the word I want to use, um, kind of your fall was, you and a couple other states were a little different, um, and you guys kind of did more, you didn't have an actual season, you guys talked, oh, you had... God, I don't know how afraid. You guys essentially played seven on seven this fall. Do you want to kind of explain what that was like? Yeah, uh, it was different. Um, completely had to adjust for um, things I've never coached before. And uh, here's our guys from the seven on seven this year. We all had to wear face masks at all times. So I did my best to get matching face masks, you know, make it yeah. part of the, the uniform. Um. So what, what came about was, uh, you know, the governor and his task force pretty much said that, you know, contact football is not happening due to COVID, keep everyone safe and totally understand that. Um, but, you know, we wanted to make sure that the kids had an experience in, in a fall season. So uh, the, some coaches and uh, 
the governing bodies that run our league. So the VIFL, the Vermont Interscholastic Football League, and the VPA, Vermont Principals Association, they met and they came up with this kind of format uh, to create a season. Um, you know, there's no trophies. Um, there was a playoff. And the, gum the games were really exciting. And we played every two to three days. Um, we played Division three teams who we don't play usually and Division two teams who we usually don't play. Um, so that was exciting too because we got to see different types of football um, and different types of kids. And so uh, the games, the format was, you know, four quarters. It was 15 minutes long. It was running clock. Um three timeouts, unattested special teams, um, two-point conversions where the ball was marked at the 10-yard line. Uh, we had skills playing the second and the fourth quarter, and we had bigs, you know, O-line, D-line playing first quarter and second quarter, or first quarter and uh, third quarter, excuse me. And, you know, I think they really did have a good time with it. And that's that was the whole purpose of the season, was to make sure that the kids had some sort of memory uh, and, and experience a positive experience because they, you know, since March at this, at that point, they were sent home online learning, you know, they weren't allowed to really gather and socialize with each other. So, you know, my summer sessions, I had huge turnouts. I was looking at like 35 kids a day and I know why I, it was so great because they just wanted to be with each other and, and have some sort of, uh, you know, controlled environment where they get to play sports. Yeah. And uh, we gave that to them for an hour and a half every, every you know, four days a week um, in the summer. So, yeah, I, this season was difficult uh, with teaching bigs how to do slants, hitch, curls, verts, all that sort of stuff. Uh, we had a big guy, number 51. He's right there in the middle uh, with the mask on. He was a quarterback. Uh, for like three or four games. Uh, this big guy, number 70, he was a running back. Um, you know, and and I had a freshman playing on the varsity as a cornerback, a, a freshman lineman, and he loved it. And he was really good. He had good technique. I'm not even going to lie. Like, he would stab, turn and run, and wait for the receiver's head to turn around and then make a play on the ball. So, uh, you know, the skills – uh, they did a great job as well, uh, but it was more or less just making sure that you know that, that everybody had a, had a true experience and, and got to learn some some sort of football this year. Yeah. You know, now I, I curiosity was that no pads at all, helmets only. What was that? So we did have helmets, thank God, because I think that I you know I use that as a recruiting tool. Honestly, I was like, if you've never played football before, this is your chance to put on the helmet. And come learn some basic football stuff. You know, it's pass and catch. Um, I did incentive-based performances with the pride stickers. Uh, I think that was new this year to the program. Okay. Um, so, you know, I, I tried to, my best to keep it fun and keep the, keep the kids excited about coming out to play seven-on-seven um, -seven football. Well, that's interesting, Coach. And I, I want to say somebody from New York said they said something similar. Don't quote me on that. But um, – that's I'm pretty sure um, it's an interesting little yeah I mean at least they got to do something I'll say it that way even though you, you weren't allowed whereas so I mean it is what it is um, kind of I, I do want to jump back real quick to the defensive stuff um, real quick um, what 
I mean, because I, I, I mean, I ran a four two five for a year, and then I switched more to a four four. As I said, is there anything that in our my coverages were different when we ran the four two five? But is there anything that seems to give you fits or like stresses from your experience? Yeah, yeah. You know, I tried a cover two, and uh, smash concept destroys this every time, and uh, I'm still trying to figure out how to be more effective if I am caught in a cover two against a smash concept. Um, we have a pre-snap rotation from either bird, whether it's the Falcon or the buzzard yeah. and they drop back and play inside hash to boundary and the, the free safety goes opposite. So, you know, with that natural smash with the hitch hitch corner, yeah. we'll say one and two. Um, if they run it to the bird that's rotating, we emphasize if they're rotating and that number two is doing that corner route, you need to understand that you need to get your feet in the right position and your hips in the right position to play the trail technique out of his break. Um, So that's been difficult to teach uh, these guys. Um, I wish I had more time with it. Obviously, you know, offense takes the most time out of practice, but uh, that's, that's really the biggest hangup I have um, out of the four, two, five, is that we don't have that that second deep player to defend that type of route. Oh, yeah. um, well. Hey, Coach. All right. Well, Coach, I appreciate you coming on and just having a quick little chat about defense and kind of what your season all looked like and all that lovely stuff. Um, coaches, if you want to get a coach and learn a little bit more about Vermont football, talk some 425 with Coach. Um, his contact information will be on the screen. Uh, and as usual, be in the bio because it's easier just to copy and paste at that point into an email yeah. or onto a Twitter page. Um, everything will be in there except for the phone number that you'll have to look at the video. I just just from my comfort level. Um, but uh, like I said, reach out to Coach, follow him on Twitter, um, like, subscribe this video and other videos. Kind of helps people find the channel, find the content, find the videos of other coaches, uh, which is the main thing we're kind of spread here. So thank you, coaches, and uh, we'll see you next time.